With Tesla Government's knowledge management solutions, you are adding a strategic partner that helps unleash the full power and potential of your institutional information. Let us unpack your data and put your knowledge to work. Learn more at teslagov.com. You know, we're living in a very dynamic and historical time in the world right now that makes what we do and our skill sets and what we need to train for very relevant. Hi, and welcome to the 1CA podcast brought to you by the Civil Affairs Association. My name is John McElligot, your host for today's episode. We have a very special guest, Brigadier General Jeffrey Coggins. He is the Commanding General of the U.S. Army Civil Affairs and Psychological Operations Command Airborne. General Coggin, thank you so much for being on the show and welcome. Thanks, John, and I appreciate the invitation and uh, being able to participate with you today. You've got a long history of, uh, of being in the military and civil affairs, uh, now in charge of the, the command that oversees both civil affairs, psychological operations, and information operations for the Army Reserve. If we could start at the beginning, uh, I understand you grew up in Pulaski, Tennessee, and as someone who grew up in Illinois, I first heard of Pulaski when my parents said that we didn't have school because of Casimir Pulaski Day. And uh, I didn't really care at the time who he was as long as I had school off, but I now know uh, the Polish commander helped us during the American Revolution and is often called the father of American cavalry. So General Coggin, if you would, please tell the audience a little bit more about your background and what you did growing up. Sure. As you said, I grew up in uh, Pulaski, Tennessee, and uh, it's a small rural community in uh, uh, southern middle Tennessee between Huntsville, Alabama, and, and Nashville, uh, Tennessee. And uh, I know who uh, Kashmir Pulaski is well because I remember growing up uh, at an early age seeing that large picture of uh, the count that was hanging up in the city municipal building. So, uh, you know, quite a, uh, a good history. Uh, going back there. As I said, I grew up in a, a rural county. Uh, we had a small piece of land and uh, my grandparents lived in a nearby county with a large farm. So I, I grew up basically in, in uh, farming community, agriculture. Uh, we raised a few calves, uh, even had a few pigs. I uh, was very active in 4-H uh, growing up, uh, as well as the Boy Scouts. I uh, achieved Eagle Scout you know, both of those things uh, growing up, 4-H and uh, the Boy Scouts and, and being an Eagle Scout or something that, you know, uh, goes with me to this day, having that agricultural background. I uh, love being outside hunting, fishing, and uh, my sport through high school was basketball. So I spent uh, a lot of time uh, doing that. I left there and went to the University of Tennessee at Knoxville where I uh, majored in agriculture and animal science. So, uh, you know, continued to uh, study agriculture in my, in my background in agriculture. Then upon graduating from the University of Tennessee, I started to work for the uh, Tennessee Department of Environment and Conservation doing uh, a broad range of uh, environmental preventive medicine type stuff and uh, move from the preventive medical medicine type stuff to uh, strictly environmental working in the groundwater field, and, which I, I did until I uh, retired from there after 30 years uh, from the state of Tennessee. 
Sir, you transferred from the Medical Service Corps branch to civil affairs. What about civil affairs? What about CA appealed to you at the time? And what have been some of the biggest changes in CA from when you joined to today? Yeah, John, that's a great question. And uh, yes, I came in uh, through a direct commission in the Medical Service Corps branch. And you know, that was a, a way and an opportunity to uh, join the Army Reserve. I uh, spent quite a bit of time in the IMA uh, starting out, but then you know, really wanted to do more. And, and uh, I remembered going through the OBC with a nurse branch officer who was in a, a civil affairs uh, battalion in Knoxville, Tennessee. And he, that was my first uh, exposure to that. And it really sounded exciting. And then that was, it was during Operation Desert Shield and, and they were getting ready to go to Desert Storm. Uh, I heard about a lot of what civil affairs did. So you know, that piqued my interest and, and I wanted to do more. You know, it was just really an opportunity to broaden and do a lot of different things. So that exposed me to what civil affairs was. And so, uh, you know, I sought that out and then uh, joined uh, the 489th uh, Civil Affairs Battalion in Knoxville, Tennessee in 1997. Uh, and within a year, I'd gone through CAQC at, at SWIC, like uh, the rest of us do uh, a year later in 1998. So, you know, that's what appealed to me. And, and I would tell you, you know, I've been in, so I've been in civil affairs. I'm kind of, you know, I'm probably a little different from the standpoint of the diversity. I had most of my diversity on the front end, you know, coming from the Medical Service Corps branch, but I've spent my career since 1997. So I'm in my 20, coming up on 24 years, uh, having been in civil affairs and use of KPOC. That's awesome. Yeah. And looking and, back at the 24 years, sir, what, what are some of the things that stand out as consistent for you or maybe one of the biggest changes that you've seen, sir? A couple of things there. The first thing I would touch on, and you kind of touched on in the previous question about you know my background uh, from the environmental to the agriculture and whatnot. And and I would say one of the things that stands out and is what we bring as Army Reservists to to use of KPOC into civil affairs and PSYOP and, and information operations is that civilian background, that civilian skill set, and those things that we've done in our careers, you know, and, and especially in civil affairs, that you know, that's what makes us different. You know, that's what makes us different from the Compo One that I think you know, gives us an advantage and facilitates what we do. And whenever we're uh, mobilized and deployed and supporting that, you know, if it's a COCOM or the conventional force, whatever we're doing out there, that's always in our hip pocket to uh, come up with those solutions that we come up with whenever we're working a problem, if we're in a, a village or, or in a city or are working with the civilian population in uh, providing support uh, to that uh, supporting commander or that warfighter in in that mission, and so I like to I like to note that because every time that I've been mobilized and deployed, and I've been uh, a leader, a commander in a combat zone, from team chief to company commander to battalion commander, and those are the things that have empowered us in the mission that we're doing 
not just me individually, but uh, with the uh, soldiers that I've had within my uh, units, uh, the same thing. What are what are they good at? What's their skill sets? What can we do and draw from uh, to empower our mission and to support uh, the warfighter or the supported command and commander that uh, we're out there uh, supporting? And then the second part of your your question, when you know you talk about the biggest changes in CA from when I joined, you know what the biggest change is that I see today sitting where I'm at now. And that is change. I think change is happening around us at a faster pace than we've ever seen it before. And we have to be able to change with that. A lot of the things that are going on out there in this in the competition world that we're in, you know, our adversaries are, are moving at a faster pace. And then the same thing with conflict. It, we need to be prepared for large-scale combat operations in a very fast-moving and uh, lethal environment. So I think change is what's happening uh, at a faster rate than we've ever seen it before, and that's what that we've got to cha- uh, train for and prepare for, and it's the culture and the uh, mentality that our uh, use of KPOC soldiers need to, to have to fight and survive and win in this uh environment that we find ourselves in now. Sir, thank you for sharing. That's great perspective. Over these 24 years, you've gained a lot of experience, obviously, and now you're in command of used to KPOC. What is your vision for CA? If you're looking to the next five to 10 years, for example, what would you say CA should prepare for, how we should prepare for it, or what's that desired end state for the Civil Affairs Force at the end of those next five or 10 years? Yeah, that's a great question. I appreciate you asking it. You know, what I see as a vision for use of KPOC is that we have and provide highly trained, professional, and ready operational uh, forces and a command at every level. I want us to be prepared to answer the nation's call. And I want us to conduct civil affairs operations, psychological operations, and information operations into multi-domain operations. I see us as force multipliers. We need to be force multipliers in everything that we do. We don't have to be a large force, but what we do and what we bring to the warfighters every day will be force multiplier. And then in in closing on the vision, uh, the foundation is people. And then, you know, building readiness, modernization and reform. And, And then one thing I'd like to do John, is is tied those things together. Uh, One of the biggest things that I want to do during my tenure is to break down the stovepipes and let us as an organization understand how civil affairs, psychological operations, information operations, how we can work together and empower each other. And it's not just when we're mobilized and deployed and we're doing working groups, but what can we do back here in at home station in working with our sister and brother organizations within use of KPOC? Because if we train together now and build that familiarity and build that uh, reflex in knowing what, what PSYOP can do if I'm planning a, a CA operation or or mission or a training event, 
if I train with them and bring them in, what is that going to do to empower my training and my my readiness? At the same time, the same thing for IO and PSYOP in doing that, if they they include CA or, or, or another part of our organization, you know, what does that do? And then when they train that way, when they think that way, and that's our culture, then we'll fight that way and we'll win that way because we it's it's a reflex to us. It's not a them or, or us. We're we're one organization here. And we're special as an organization because where else in the Department of Defense do we have an organization that has civil affairs, PSYOP, and IO under one roof and in the in the size and magnitude that we have it? And then one thing I would like to add to that is UCKPOC has the second largest MI force in the Army Reserve. We have the second largest number of MI soldiers in the Army Reserve, only second to the Merck. So that's another opportunity we have as we look at working together as a group and, and within UCKPOC, empowering our MI capabilities to force multiply what we do as civil affairs, PSYOP, and I.O. Exactly, sir. I, I think you're spot on, and uh, I think you'd get a lot of positive feedback from CEO soldiers, um, NCOs, and uh, junior enlisted and officers willing to do that. They, they want to train with more PSYOP and I.O., and I had no idea there were that many MI qualified people who were in the command as well. Um, yeah, it, when I found that out, I mean, it's really amazing to... Uh, to see how many MI soldiers we have within our organization. And that, you know, that's just another plus or a benefit for our organization as we, uh, you know, demonstrate out there what we are capable of doing. Sir, we'll take a short break and uh, come back and, and continue this discussion. Folks, you've been hearing the 1CA podcast with our guest today, Brigadier General Jeffrey Coggin, the Commanding General of the U.S. Army Civil Affairs and Psychological Operations Command. We'll be right back. Everywhere you look, there's a barrage of emails and information telling you what everybody has done, is doing, or plans to do, all in excruciating detail. But access is only half the battle. You also need information presented in a usable form. But that takes work, and the more information you have, the more work it takes. Tesla government takes on these issues so that your office or agency can fully exploit the data you already have. Our knowledge management experts organize and curate your internal data. Our open-source research augments your knowledge base with strategic insights from our globally experienced team. And our data visualization turns complex data into compelling visuals, while our community building makes sure everyone benefits by leveraging collective knowledge. With Tesla government's knowledge management solutions, you are adding a strategic partner that helps unleash the full power and potential of your institutional information. Let us unpack your data and put your knowledge to work. Learn more at teslagov.com. Do you have an idea for an upcoming podcast or know someone who may be a good person to interview? Contact us at capodcasting at gmail.com. Welcome back to the 1CA Podcast. My name is John McElligot, your host for today's episode. Our guest today is Brigadier General Jeffrey Coggin from UCK Park. Sir, let's talk about what's going on around the world today and how... CA fits in with large-scale combat operations and competition below conflict. So we have few troops in Iraq and Afghanistan, but we do have a lot more rotations going to 
AORs like Indopaycom, UCOM, we're training U.S. Uh, soldiers and Marines in civil affairs with U.S. allies and preparing for these potential fights with China and Russia. Sir, could you share with the listeners how you think CA will play a role in large-scale combat operations and in the gray zone, a lot of this competition that's below conflict? You know, when you talk about the gray zone, that's something that, you know, we really are, are working hard on, I think, to catch up and counter. You know, that gray zone involves a lot of, in the uh, cognitive domain, it's not necessarily in the, the physical domain. And that's one thing, you know, I go back to to talking about how we've got CA, PSYOP, and IO, and uh, within use of KPOC, we've got what we call Operation Dominant Convergence. And I would just define that as bringing collaborative influencers on target to achieve dominant collab- collective influence and effects in the cognitive and the physical domain. And when you think about the, the gray zone and what can we do as an organization to support uh, efforts in that, you know, I like to remind people that, you know, everybody knows what we do in the physical environment. But if you think about it, look at what we do in the physical environment, influence and effects. We can do the same thing in the cognitive environment. But to do that, you know, that gets into, you know, who are we supporting? We've got to build these relationships and, and we've got to let people know what, what we do in the physical environment, we can do in the cognitive environment, because a lot of that may be things that are done in the information domain. So, you know, we, we do have a, a relationship right now that we're doing some ex, what we call excursions uh, with uh, Army Cyber. And, uh, you know, they have a vision and have seen uh, the opportunities there of our what we bring with influence and effects to the uh, uh, cognitive domain. So we're doing some things there. And I think it's a great opportunity because as we look at you know, going forward and, and the current competition that we have going on, these are things that that we can do. We, and, and so anytime I, I see a training opportunity for our soldiers, uh, we're reaching out and, and doing those things. Thank you, sir. I, I think that leads into the next question, which you've already started to answer before. And this was the overlap of responsibilities or the overlap of training in the future for CA, PSYOP, and information operations. You know, the new FM 357 will be revised and come out again. Do you predict that there would be any overlap of responsibilities between CA and PSYOP, for example? Do you think that the, the future of CA training will include, as you mentioned uh, briefly before, overlapping training between CA and the PSYOP units or IO units or cyber or MI? Yeah, that, hey, John, that's a great uh, great question. And what I would share with you there, you know, those are proponent questions. Uh, and the proponents, uh, they work our FM and our, our doctrine. But I would certainly hope and I would advocate that our proponents, uh, just like I talk about, we get out of our stovepipes. I think it's very important that uh, as doctrine is developed and our proponents are, are working our doctrine and FMs, that they uh, also are looking at that overlap, as you as you describe or call it, uh, between 
the the three because you know we're out here uh, training that way and we're out here operating that way and uh, our doctrine and our proponents would be doing the same thing. So yes, I hope we see as we're evolving uh, in MDO and uh, competition, crisis, and conflict in this modern era of dynamic uncertainty. Uh, you know, you want to see that in your doctrine too. So, you know, that's that's where the proponent comes in, and and I'm sure they're working that uh, as well. As you circulate, you've met with a lot of CA troops. Have you seen gaps in our preparation? For example, would you like to see soldiers focus more on communications or language training or social network analysis or some other capability that you believe that uh, we are deficient in? or that we do not have right now that we should have in the future? Yeah. You know, the first thing i got to talk about is COVID-19. Uh, when it comes to training and any deficiencies, you know, that's the biggest thing that we're dealing with right now to our training environment, uh, both with our regular battle assemblies and AT and then the CTCs that we're doing. But I would tell you that uh, across the command, over this last year, because we're coming up right on the almost the year anniversary of really getting shut down by COVID, I have to give kudos to the to the entire command, the, the soldiers, the leaders, the job that they've done to adapt and still do training within the limits that we've had uh, of COVID-19. Uh, and as we're continuing to move forward, you know, it's different across the country, but everybody is really wanting to get out there and get back to normal, get on the ranges and do training like we used to do it. But in spite of that, we've still been doing CTC rotations. Uh, we've been able to do that. It's been a learning uh, lesson when we did the first one. And as we went in to do subsequent ones, some of them have been canceled, but we have continued to adapt and train with that. I'm quite excited about the training environment because uh, we had our last CPX in March a year ago, and, and we had a couple canceled, but now we're uh, leaning forward and looking forward to having our next CPX in April, and we're planning on uh, being on the ground to have that as well. So we're training that way. You ask about focus, and, you know, yes, I think we could do more language training, but the one I want to uh, hit on here that that you asked me about communications. That's one thing coming into command that I've been working with our G6 and I've been working with our G2 because of our DSIG systems that we use uh, for training and it's, it's, some, it's one of our communications type systems. But I really think as an organization that we need to get more hands-on with our communication systems and be more proficient in those. So I, I appreciate you asking about that because it gives me an opportunity to give a plug on that. And, and, you know, again, COVID's affected that, but when we get back into our regular battle assemblies on site, you know, I'd like to see uh, our use of KPOC soldiers getting out there communication systems, their radios, and exercising those things and becoming more uh, proficient in that and utilizing our 25 uniforms, our signal soldiers. That's a great point, sir. Um, as one of your soldiers serving as a captain in, uh, in a battalion, I see that every time we go to battle assembly. So yes, 
Soldiers want to be together in person. They want to be training, turn on the vehicles, talking on the radios, you know, driving during the daytime, driving at nighttime, just the smell of the carbon going to the range. People want that. That, that is in part why they signed up and why they want to retain the units. Uh, so yeah, sooner the better we can uh, get back to normal and do that. I think you'll get a lot of people uh, wanting to stick in as well. Sir, let's close, we can, with a uh, question about parting advice. Outside of, I think, the medical and dental readiness that they all know very well, what else do you think that we should be focusing on or, or preparing ourselves to, uh, to promote and make sure that you have the best prepared command out there in the Army Reserve so that we can deliver capable and ready soldiers for the force? Yeah, I appreciate that question. And, and you know, in closing, I would just say that we have a, a great future ahead with use of KPOC, a very dynamic and challenging missions ahead. You know, we're living in a very dynamic and historical time in the world right now that makes what we do and our skill sets and what we need to train for very relevant. Uh, so I would just challenge all of our soldiers, our, our officers, our NCOs, and our enlisted to uh, reach out for those challenges. Don't be frustrated by COVID uh, because when we do start back, we're going we're gonna to start back fast. We're going to start back hard and training. We'll get, you know, get back out there to the ranges. So you know, just don't be frustrated by COVID. And then the other thing is that, uh, as I said, there's great opportunity out there. And, and what I would uh, also challenge across the force to do at every level is to take care of your careers. And you, you mentioned, yeah, it's not just about the medical and the dental, and, and you're right. That's important. That's readiness. But what I like to see is our soldiers taking those tough assignments. When it's time to, to go to your next school or something, you know, do that. Always be looking for ways to set yourself apart from your peers. Don't be like water and just be seeking the easiest course. Uh, because if you're you're uh, really interested in being an Army Reserve soldier and excelling and your longevity in there, you've got to you've got to seek those challenges, get that education done, and uh, uh, be you know be proactive in your career and your development, and don't wait for someone else to tell you to do it. Folks, you've been listening to an episode of the One C A podcast. Our guest today is Brigadier General Jeffrey Coggin, from Pulaski, Tennessee, to Commanding General of the U.S. Army Civil Affairs and Psychological Operations Command, Airborne. General Coggin, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much for uh, sharing your experience and talking to the troops. We're glad you're here. John, uh, again, thank you for this opportunity. I've enjoyed spending this time with you and, and uh, again, having the opportunity to uh, speak to you. Uh, the uh, civil affairs community and, and our soldiers. The Unomia Journal is expanding its content to reach a broader audience and engagement across defense and governments to include other partners in allied countries. New sections in the Warrior Scholar Corner and the Team Room aim to deliver content useful to our members. Check out the Unomia Journal at www unomiajournal.com Thank you for spending some time with us. Please subscribe and come back for another installment of 1CA. Until then, be safe and secure the victory. 
In civil affairs, your success depends on getting the right information to the right people at the right time. Whether it's foundational information for a team about to head out on a mission or putting together a map or other data visualization to brief a general or an ambassador, Tesla Government Solutions and staff can help. With Tesla Government's Knowledge Management Solutions, you're adding a strategic partner that helps unleash the full power and potential of your information. Let us unpack your data and put your knowledge to work. Learn more at teslagov.com.